The car business is rapidly changing and modern car dealers are meeting the demand. I'm Michael Cirillo, and together we're going to explore what it takes to create a thriving dealership and life in the retail automotive industry. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with subject matter experts that are designed to help you grow. This is The Dealer Playbook. All right, David, I'm having a little bit of deja vu. I feel like we've done this recently. This We'll call that one the dress rehearsal, but I am always, hey, look, I'm I'm excited. Anytime I have an excuse to sit down with chat and, and, and chat with you. And of course, I'm excited for the upcoming event in April in Lexington, where I can be with you in person and with so many other incredible thought leaders. But thanks again for joining me on the Dealer Playbook podcast. Oh, you're sure, sure welcome, Michael. It's always a pleasure. And, uh, you know, the, it's one of those things you and I are both learners. And inevitably, we don't know what we're going to learn today, but we're going to learn something from each other. <laughs> that is so true. Constantly be learning. I remember one time I had a colleague who said, you know, I just feel like there's so much to learn. I'm, con- I'm climbing this mountain and I never get to the summit. And I said, yeah, because when you get to the summit, it means you're dead. Yeah, you sure. want that mountain to never end. Yeah. How do you feel about perpetual learning? Do you, I know a lot of people have a love hate relationship with it because failure is a part of the learning process. What are you, what's your mindset around learning and failure and growth? Yeah, it's interesting. I, of course, go into so many classroom environments as a teacher, and I've seized that frustration point where I go in and they don't have a pen or any kind of paper. I pretty much now take pen and paper for them and make sure that if nothing else, I'm going to stimulate that opportunity. And I've I've often learned this phrase from my friend Todd Smith, who says, it's important to say to your audience, write this down. And so whether, whether I'm a learner out there in the audience or a teacher in front of the audience, I, I find that they have to have that compellion, or I guess that's probably not even a, a term, an actual word, but we're going to invent that today. Some sort of a compelling strategy that basically causes people to to want to make note of, of something. So for me, I think learning can be painful. I think putting your mind back on the track, you know, sometimes we talk about there's a great book called The Power of Habit. And, and I learned a long time ago that part of the reason in the way our brain is made up is the brain craves habits so that it doesn't have to send you home at the end of a work day and you're going, oh, man, that was a really, really hard day. You know, my brain hurts because I had to learn so much. And, and I think, you know, thinking of the brain as the muscle, sometimes it really does hurt to learn difficult concepts. I think sometimes your heart, you know, if you're going through something emotional, that becomes quite painful. But at the end of it, there's that euphoria, that relief that comes from it. And you're like, wow, you know, that was really difficult, but I did learn something and now I can apply it. And it gives you 
some sort of a additional power, maybe some sort of a hidden superpower to where you like, yeah, it was painful getting here, but now I know what, what I'm going to do with it. No, no pain, no gain. <laughs> True. No pain, no gain. Yeah. <laughs> the power of habit. Did you say who that was by? I wish I could remember, but I haven't okay. created the habit well, of remembering well, the author. But <laughs> that's that why is, we write things down. That's a really good, good one. Write that we'll, down. <laughs> we'll find it out and link it in the show notes. Yes. But I love what you're saying, especially because, you know, you have an event coming up in April in Lexington. Um, I've had the, the pleasure of attending a couple of them at this point. And that, if I could call it, for, for maybe lack of better words, the spirit of learning is alive and well, that yeah. event. Yes. Um, because what I find is that you're challenging people, not just to what I think we do to your point about notes is we write down verbatim the words that someone says. You're challenging attendees to think through the context of their circumstances and be inspired by the words that are being said. So instead of writing them verbatim, hey, how does that, what does that mean to you? That's yeah. the note you should be taking. How did you arrive there? You know, it's interesting that you bring that up because part of the reason we, we have the shorter sessions is based on the TED Talk framework where they have those 20 minute sessions. We, I started looking at the audience and, and you know how it is you, you don't have the luxury of watching your audience unless you do kind of a user group and you, you look at people watching your podcast and maybe right. when you watch the view rates and they tend to dip at a certain minute point. But certainly what I was noticing is at our event, when, when we had the hour, hour and a half type sessions, People literally were getting squirmy in their seats and, and there's, there's a retention point that they, they get beyond. And then, then it just becomes courtesy participation. So someone told me a long time ago from a presenter standpoint, if you give me all day to present, it's easy. I can write a presentation, a hundred pages and sure for that. If you narrow that down to half a day, it's going to be easy to do, but, but a little more difficult than a full day. If you cut me back to an hour, it's going to be very hard. If you cut me back to 20 minutes, oh my God, what am I going to cut out of this thing? Because I've got a lot of grace when I've got all day, half a day, right. a few hours. But when I really crystallize it to 20 or 30 minutes, and that's kind of what we're saying to you as, as one of our presenters is, what the heck do you really want to say, Michael? Because you got to have a big impact to these people. And it's not that they can write down or record. And certainly there will be people out there and you sit with them at the tables, they'll turn on their Otter AI and they'll record every <laughs> every word. But, but right. ultimately it comes down to, I love what that guy just said. I'm going to write down that. And, and, you know, I love how you're describing it. What does it mean to me? And when I look at my cryptic notes and I use this remarkable pad now, and it looks like you probably do as well, and they're so <laughs> valuable because, you know, I can just scribble, scribble, scribble and, and eventually go back and, and reread and rewrite and it'll make a big impact on me. Mm. I feel like to your point about being, being one of your presenters, I feel like I'm a, I get to cheat a little bit. <laughs> in that 
I've had the the honor and the privilege of being able to sit down with gems such as yourself over 550 times to learn firsthand. And now I get to just kind of stand in front of the group as like you pointed out, a student. I, the expert thing doesn't really resonate with me, but as a fellow student who has the privilege of getting to stand up and share, I, I feel like I, I've got a bit of a cheat code in being able to sit down with individuals <laughs> such as yourself on the regular. Uh, but I want to talk a, a little bit about that. You are, can I just compliment you and say, you're one of my favorite people, so genuine, um, full of heart, and also a breadth of experience that reaches across the automotive vertical in a way that few will ever get the opportunity. You consult for um, allied industry. You consult for quote unquote vendors for you're a dealer. Your family has a dealership, a long history in automotive influential in founding Ford direct and what it's kind of become. And, and just so many, like, I don't know if you know this, but not many of us get that kind of experience. <laughs> and so I guess what I want to ask you is at our current juncture in the automotive industry, where half of the narrative is doom and gloom and other, maybe another portion of it is, no, there's a real opportunity here. What are you seeing? I want to, I want to dig into your vantage point a little bit and what you're seeing in automotive at this time and perhaps what the opportunities that most excite you are. You know, it's interesting. There's so many challenges that are out there and highly point out there is some advantage to 40 years in the car business and, and some of the things that I've benefited from. I'll take you back to back in 1982 when I started selling cars. I was in a concrete block building that was just up the street from our main showroom in downtown Versailles, Kentucky. And spelled like Versailles, France, but it's pronounced the Kentucky way, Versailles. Versailles. <laughs> my brother Patrick and I. Patrick still works at our family dealership. We worked at that building by ourselves. And when we were in on a deal, we would call down to my brother, John, who would walk us through the numbers and we'd have a guest on the other side of the desk. And we would say, Michael is here and, and he's really excited about this truck. And, and then he would tell us what to say in our ear. And, and so it was like having live, live coaching right there in that environment. And then when we weren't selling and greeting guests, we were out polishing wheels and cleaning engines and, and literally getting very intimate with the product. Things that I think are a missing point in, in a lot of the automotive industry is sales teams literally clicking the lot instead of walking the lot, getting to know the product, being able to, to present and sell it emotionally, getting into the life and the lifestyle of the consumer. I think we've, we've almost sanitized the, the marketplace. And, and what I'm finding is, you know, work and win. And, and I'm not a real big fan of the term winning, but I do believe that if you, if you outwork your competition, if you greet the guests promptly and courteously and provide them the right kind of information, you will win. And, and you win because you help the guest select and 
and invest in the right vehicle. And and I don't think I don't think there's any shortcuts. I think there are technologies that boost productivity, but I don't believe intimacy that you gain from really learning what the guest is all about and what their wants and needs are, I don't think you can shortcut. Mm. And and that's why I believe the real winners in, in 2023 and beyond will be those who, who are investing in, in learning the product and, and learning human nature and, and how to satisfy wants and needs. I had a mentor once share with me that Shortcuts almost always lead to long cuts. <laughs> they do. It's so true. I want to ask you about this. You said about winning. What is it about that term or that concept that you said? I don't really like that concept. What What is it about it? I'm curious. It's it's almost an exclusionary type term. Is for me to win, someone has to lose. And I believe uh, in that win, 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 you know, when, when the consumer wins, the OEM wins, the dealer wins, that kind of uh, universality is, is beneficial. But when I have to win by, by extracting pain from other people, I think mm. that becomes problematic for me from an emotional standpoint. And and I've just never felt really good about that. I, re- I remember my dad, who's 93 years old, and he's very well known in the auto industry, served on the NADA board as a representative of the state of Kentucky for over 25 years. And he said, when that consumer is going down the highway and they're gripping the steering wheel because they're angry you sold them a car or you took advantage of them, there's no gain that can come from that. But additionally, he says, what I want to leave with you guys, uh, and he's talking about our family, both my sisters and brothers, and I've got eight of them. So there's plenty of us canes out there. And you know some of them, so you, you understand what I'm talking about. But he used to say, we, we put the world on wheels. In the auto industry, we allow people to bring their babies home from the hospital, to go see the ocean, to go experience the Grand Canyon, to earn a living. All of those things come from the relationship that we help guests establish with a new vehicle. And, and it's a big responsibility. And I think, I think that still resonates within me and, and makes me feel like it when I out teaching new salespeople or experienced salespeople what this industry is all about and what it can provide, that's where the real winning comes in is, you know, we get to help people see the world. And I think that's really cool. Wow. That resonates deeply with me in that I firmly believe that once we have clarity about who we are, and what our mode of operation is, that is only going to accelerate what we can achieve in this business. Yes. Not, not the other way around. And I get that sense from you. How have you found just your personal beliefs, convictions, your upbringing, the things that you care about? How has that helped you grow in your business um, and impact the lives of those that you associate with? Well, I've always learned that the more I'm willing to help someone achieve what their goals are, always 
am the beneficiary of that. So when it comes to work, for example, I, I'm real big on not having conflicts of interest. For example, our our company, Kane Automotive, is now celebrating our 20th year this year, and wow. we're pretty excited about that. And at the very beginning, I said that all these companies were approaching us and they said, you know, you're going into these dealerships all the time. If you take our technology, if you take our marketing, if you do all this, we'll pay you a commission, just talk them into it. And every month you're going to get a renewal on that. And, and boy, you'll make all kinds of money. And I thought, well, it's not a conflict of interest because I'm trying to tell them what they need to do and how they should operate and and how they should scrutinize where they're spending their money but if i'm getting a piece of the of the sure. operation by doing that that's not necessarily going to be beneficial so learn to operate within those kind of principles that say is it is this truly the right approach does this benefit the company that i I'm working with and and what I've always said to providers of services and marketing and technology is boy I'm going to open the door and and present your product with you and and help you to knock on doors but only if it works and and we're going to go through the scrutiny that that is necessary to ensure that this is the best solution for our clients so you know without any kind of compromise you know, I don't ever have to worry about it because transparent with the dealer, I'm transparent with the company. And ultimately, we, we agree these are the assessment tools that we're going to determine whether or not this is the right approach. And, and, it, and it seems to have served me well over all these years. And, and certainly, I think in the future, companies that are just trying to make a buck I think they're going to be ferreted out. And, you know, you look at what you all do at Flex Dealer and you guys are innovative and creative and, and you selfishly work towards what's best for your dealer clients. And, and that's the kind of stuff that jazzes me and inspires me to keep working in this field. Well, that's very kind of you. But I, I, I think like you as well, there were probably moments along the way that you were like, if only my dang standards weren't so high, I'd be on a beach somewhere. <laughs> I've plenty of times had those thoughts, Michael, plenty of times. But I think that's so important to this, this conversation about growth and the desire to help this industry grow and, and facilitating growth conversations is, you know, if, if we were to go on social right now, where oftentimes people are just posting the best parts of their fake lives, um, you have all of these influencers, some who are legit, who have really achieved something on, on their merits, but aren't talking enough about those moments where they're like, is this the right idea? Is there a game plan here? Am I doing the right thing? I, I think it's valuable to hear it directly from you. 40 years in automotive, 20 years at Kane Automotive. For those that desire a sustainable long-term play the infinite game you know let's not just eat today let's eat for a long time it's important i think it's important for those individuals to hear from those of us who have gone down that path that yeah there will be moments where you kind of wonder am i doing the right yeah. thing <laughs> you know so it's funny 
love how you're saying that. I think you and I have talked about one of my inspirations. When I first started this business, I read a book called Small Giants. And I I just will remind you and me both that I love the concept of that book where the author went out and found companies that dared to be great instead of big. And, and that's always been our play in the industry is people ask us all the time, how big are you? How many employees have you got? And all this other, and I'm like, we're really small. We've got a big voice <laughs> in the industry. And, and I think because of our, our approach, our, our ethics and our principles, I think that's helped us. And, and so we get invited to a lot of conversations. And, and because of the fact that, that we become an accelerant for the companies that we work for. So yeah, we work with huge companies, some of the biggest in the world, but also with some of the smallest and and the effort that we put forth for both is equal. And, you know, because it means that much to them. I always like to think about people are like, well, if you're selling a car that's a hundred thousand dollars, you know, don't those people deserve, you know, a little extra, you know, attention and special approach. And, and the truth of the matter is, and you and I both know this from our own upbringing, the person spending $1,000, $500 might be spending all they've got. So on a percentage basis, let's make them feel really, really great about what they're doing and provide them that level of service that, that would be equal to the person who buys the most expensive car out there. I love that. It also reminds me of the book. The Infinite Game, Simon Sinek. He specifically. Yeah, I love Simon. I haven't read that book. Uh, I think it's so great. We we started a book club at Flex Dealer where everyone on the team is now reading that book. Or we're picking books, but that was we kicked it off with that book. And I thought it was so refreshing. In in a similar way that you speak about the concepts of small giants, he speaks about this concept. He says first, you you need to be clear on the business model you want and what you're hoping to achieve and oftentimes what we don't realize in the world that you know where only venture capital companies that get huge in investments seem to get all of the praise and they have 600 employees and so on and so forth you know a billion in revenue and whatnot they get all the praise because that's the way we've conditioned ourselves to think oh that's the only way i'm winning I look at it and say, hey, 23 years so far building and laboring in flex and having our standard and, you know, all of those things that I thought probably I was doing wrong when contrasted against the other business model. I'm now realizing at this point in my life, I am so grateful that that is my business model that allows me to stay focused on our client partners, on doing what has been proven to be right. And not losing our identity to that other business model, which, and by the way, those that are in that business model, Mazel Tov, that's, you chose it. All of that to say, like, you have to get clear on what you want. And then that becomes the marker and cross-referencing that back to your comments about winning and the concept of winning. If I defined it and I'm living it and experiencing it, then I'm, then I'm succeeding. That is my definition of success. I can't lose. Absolutely. No question. No question. I could talk to you for days and days and days, 
I'm excited to be with you in April. Can you share with us how those listening and watching can get in touch with you and learn more about your events and all that you do? So, Michael, you are our featured international presenter, and I am really, really excited about the fact that you're going to be able to be there. What anybody can learn about just by going, or how anybody can learn about this by going to kane.auto, and that's spelled K-A-I-N.auto, and they can click on the link and they'll see that they've got the full agenda. We've got the roster of speakers. We've got three days absolutely chock full, and uh, we're going to have an event at the Kentucky Castle. We'll have a reception. Then we're going to have a lot of learning going on. We'll do an afternoon at the races. I have a feeling some people are going to try some of our local brew, uh, also known as Kentucky bourbon. And uh, that, that should be a lot of fun for those who attend. So if anybody's interested, all they have to do is put in the promo code dealer playbook and they'll get 50% off. So oh, thank amazing. you very much for spreading the word for us, Michael. Thanks so much. Looking forward to it. Thanks for joining me on the dealer playbook podcast. Thank you, Michael. Bye now. I'm Michael Cirillo, and you've been listening to the Dealer Playbook Podcast. If you haven't yet, please click the subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. Leave a rating or review and share it with a colleague. Thanks for listening.